and welcome everybody back to the great inflation versus deflation debate part nine hat truisms boxes response uh, again uh, article linked in the description and uh check out the full playlist if you want uh, the full debate because that's kind of the whole point uh jumping right into it <clears throat> As is probably becoming rapidly apparent, the debate over inflation versus de deflation, despite its esoteric nature, is turning out to be much more practical and relevant than anyone would have previously imagined it to be, especially probably today. <laughs> uh, the events in Cyprus make this more dis uh, discussion of current events than purely academic matters. Today, replace uh, Cyprus with Sri Lanka. Um, in this most recent post on the subject, Nate began with an admission concerning uh, that we are both talking about the same definition of fiat uh, in one sense of the term. Broad definition, narrow definition. Uh, it is readily apparent that the broad definition is what I'm referring to here, but one must remember that I am actually no longer using Mises' definition at all. I am defining money as it relates to co commodity competition, not its nature. I call this fiat uh, money not because it has government force behind it, but because it is the government's force that makes the commodity win the commodity competition and therefore becomes the money. Credit money doesn't exist at all. It is uh, in physical form and thus doesn't compete in the competition and is not actual money. Why he calls it fiat doesn't really matter for the purposes of this debate. However, while he is right to say that credit money is not actual money, you may recall that I defined it as a money surrogate, he is incorrect in stating that it does not exist in a physical form. It does exist. The paper dollars that you hold in your pocket and the paper euros that the depositors in the Cyprus present, are presently unable to obtain are both representations of a form of credit money. Now, it is true that uh, the paper to mark all current credit claims are uh, seldom, if ever, printed. Uh, this doesn't change the fact that uh, some of them are printed and that they are actual physical representations of outstanding credit claims. What is important to note and what Vox is missing is that it is when the credit money is created by time shifting like that, it is not considered inflationary. The interest is re rewarding those who have saved and it is all washed out in the end. The interest rate, which is the price of time shifting money, fluctuates as demand for time shifting increases and decreases and that all by itself migrates the boom and bust cycle created by the lending as more people borrow the people borrowing the price of borrowing uh, goes up bringing that number back down as fewer people borrow the price is lowered uh, so that more will borrow bringing the number of borrowers back up we will find a happy medium when the interest rate is move, moving around but the person power is relatively stable the risk banks take when leveraging money also influence that price, which is what we call the interest rate. All of this works together nicely, which is why when Mises talks about inflation, he always talks about the government. This is indeed how it is supposed to work. Uh, it is how economists are taught that it works, but it doesn't work this way, and Nate is incorrect in stating that the creation of credit money is not inflationary. There are several ways to demonstrate that this is the case. The one I will utilize here is to look at the supply and demand curve of what happens when credit money is injected. Creation of credit money always has an immediate effect on the prices because it increases the uh, applicable demand. I should in need to I shouldn't need to draw an SD curve uh, supply demand. As we can see, the effect of the expanding 
home loans have had on the housing market and increasing student loans have had on the price of tuition and even on the health care market where governments borrow the money that is used to pay for the free health care delivered to uh, ignorant indigent patients. Uh, no cash is being printed and yet credit money is being created. Transactions are taking place and prices are rising. While these effects are localized to the relevant markets, I suspect the reason why economists historically failed to connect them to the broad increase in price levels is that is usually described as inflationary is because until relatively recently, it was not possible to obtain general pre-approved credit for even the smallest transactions. The economists failed to anticipate either the uh, credit card or the debit card, which allows the depositor to tap directly into the credit expansion system without need to interfere with the expansion by withdrawing the physical debt makers. And those few who uh, did failed to grasp the full extent of the eventual consequences. This is why the banks, bankers and governments are so firmly against cash economies. It is actually less about control and tracking, although obviously governments appreciate the potential benefits of the latter, but because a wholly digital system theoretically allows unlimited credit expansion from the traditional perspective. It is, however, how it is supposed to work, and when it works like that, we can look at the amount of money in a given account that exists above and beyond the deposit in the account, and we can call it credit money because it exists above and beyond the deposits of the account. It has no physical representation. The coins, the dollar bills do not exist. I need to be clear on that. Uh, on this, I have a checking account with, say, 45000 in it. If I go to the bank and ask them for 45000 in cash, they will laugh in my face. However, debit, uh, cards are swiped and the credit money is accepted exactly like uh, cash is accepted. This is a miracle and it is a miracle of faith. The key phrase here is uh, when it is working like that. Nate is correct on all the details here except for except that he is failing to recognize that all the money in a given account that is credit money, not merely the amount of money in a given account that exists above and beyond the deposits in that account. This should be abundantly clear in light of the Cypria situation, uh, where the banks cannot open because despite their nominal billions in deposits, they have literally no paper markers left to give out even though there are numerous levels of government that are capable of declaring fiat markers to represent those credit claims. The problem is not that there is no government to print the fiat, but rather the fiat that rather the fact that no one wants to be stuck with an underlying credit claim. So now that we understand borrowing and lending, we can discuss what uh, is wrong. And what is wrong is the central bank. Central banks break the link between savers and lenders. Rather. Uh, the deposits being the source of the creation of the leverage, you now have a central bank that is merely using the deposits to rationalize its decisions in, to expand credit. The deposits of savers are reduced to mere justifications. The central bank sits on high and manipulates the interest rate, which eliminates its ability to mitigate the booms and bust cycle business cycles. And on top of that, the evil bastards uh, then set themselves up as the credit gods passing out credit as they see fit, attempting to manage the economy every bit as much as the communists ever did, and feeling just as spectacularly. If you get nothing else, I hope that you and pray that you grasp that. I cannot argue with anything here except to note that it has been demonstrated with MF Global, the deposits themselves are quite literally and legally 
uh, loans from the depositors to the banks of or fiduciary ent entity. So you have made it this far, you now realize that money in your checking account doesn't actually exist. It's not that the banks just don't keep much cash stored, it's that of the cash, uh, there isn't that much cash in existence, not even close. So now that the terror is struck in, what do you have an urge to do? You're squelching down right now. Is it the urge to go borrow more money or is it the urge to go get cash and stick it under your bed? Uh, exactly. And now you see why Vox's measure of the money supply is incorrect. M1 is the real money supply. M2 and TSM2 are more approximations of the purchasing power uh, currently available, though obfuscated through shenanigans. Z1, well, Z1 is just measured of claims of money. It doesn't reflect the limit uh, on new future claims. At best, it can serve as an indicator of how much new credit money is being created. Z1 will never uh, be able to show deflation. That's because Z1 doesn't uh, show a credit limit. It shows a credit balance. See, I have a $5,000 credit limit on my credit card, and I owe $5,000. Uh, then on my credit card, it shows that I have a credit balance. See, if I have $5,000 credit limit, on my credit card and I owe 5000 then my credit card is showing up as 5000 in the Z1 report. If I pay my credit card down to a balance of 2000 then my credit card is showing up as 2000 on the Z1, which Vox would then say is a reduction in the purchasing power of 3000 This is incorrect. My high credit is still 5000 I can go spend that 3000 in credit money anytime I want. Z1 is certainly a valuable tool, but it is a limited one. Now it has been said, one cannot print borrowers, but if the rate of credit so if the rate of credit growth is slowing or going down instead of up, it can be mean bad things. For example, the delivery system of new credit can be interrupted. That said, if one considers the nature of a financial abomination that we have before us, I can certainly not fault Vox for going that way. However, it is not where I go. Here's where Nate begins to go uh, more seriously awry. M1 and M2 are not real money uh, any more than Z1 is. They are merely money substitutes, whereas Z1 is a money surrogate that encompasses them both. I recognize that Nate is not using the Messian definition any longer, but I don't see his rationale for refusing to do so uh, is necessarily justified or even relative to determining the inflation slash deflation question. More importantly, his distinction between credit limit and credit outstanding is if not necessarily false, entirely relevant. It is not only credit outstanding that matters. Uh, the limit is an entirely artificial one that <clears throat> in the case, in this case represents the extent to which the bank is willing uh, to enable Nate to expand the credit uh, supply. But that's not an actual limit in the sense that Nate's decision to not use his potential credit or even pay it both down his outstanding credit is, which is the limit I mentioned in limits of demand when I proposed as an alternative mechanism of power, powering Austrian, of powering the Austrian business cycle. Nor is there a macro credit limit. This is why Bernanke and the European Central Bank imagine erroneously that they can expand it indefinitely as they see fit. <clears throat> but as we saw in 2008, outstanding credit can and will contract. Even a slow ex 
Even a slowed expansion of the sort that we saw in 2009 can have deleterious effects on the economy, which depends on a reliable 2.4% growth rate per quarter. And the whole reason credit money works is because there is a faith-based link between the credit money directly to cash. Thus, money right now is cash. What we are, what you're seeing is precisely what happened in the Great Depression. People wanted their cash. They hid it inside walls, buried in jars. Uh, banks collapsed, destroying massive amounts of credit money, but folks still wanted their cash. But Vox fails to recognize a critical underlying difference between then and today. He looks at those in control, the government and the central bankers, and he sees them expanding credit. He understands the system better than almost anyone, including the central bankers, and thus he uses the understanding to predict the system, how the system will behave. Uh, he expects it to behave the way it behaved in the 1930s. The link is stronger than Nate asserts. These days, credit money is cash, and cash is credit money. And Nate also credits me with the confidence that I actually possess. <laughs> I know this system won't behave the way it did in the 1930s. In fact, it is precisely uh, what concerns me most. Unlike before, the banks did not begin... Uh, unlike before, the banks are not being permitted to collapse, which is why Z1 hasn't collapsed yet either. But the bad loans still exist, even though they still haven't been written off. We are in a strange, unprecedented waters here. I have to take you back again to the competition between Vox to his peril ignores. So we have these commodities battling out in competition for demand, not supply demand. The one most in demand wins because of the money. The, the demand is the key. People want that commodity. They want it badly enough, that, and everyone knows it, that they want it badly. So because... Everyone knows that they want the commodity badly. Everyone knows that they will be able to trade that commodity. They have faith, faith, friends, that they will be able to exchange the commodity in the future for other goods and services that they require. That's all good and well if you're talking about something like gold, platinum, or silver. People want it because what it is and what it is will not change. But fiat money, well, they want it because of all manner of government-related uh, enhancements. If it weren't for those enhancements, they wouldn't want it at all, but those enhancements exist so long as the people have faith in the government, and that is why I define it as fiat money. I suspect Nate has made a fatal error here because he, because recent events show that faith in government, uh, in banking, and even in the cash itself is rapidly dissolving. Everyone now understands that the Capriot Cyprus's banks uh, don't have 7 billion cash euros in their vault, but uh, more importantly, they now also understand that the government can instantaneously make 10% of it disappear regardless of whether it is, whether it, if it was in cash form or not. And when money surrogates, money substitutes, or money, or solid monies itself disappear, that is a deflationary action. Uh, or our continued differences of opinion notwithstanding, I think we've now covered sufficient theoretical ground that we can move on to the pr practical aspects of the debate. So I'll conclude by asking Nate three questions. If the expected outcome is, as he suggested, inflationary due to the central bank printing press, why has the European Central Bank not simply used the bank holiday to print the required 13.5 billion euros and allow its customers to withdraw as much of it uh, happens to suit them. Why is the ECB risking the 
separate uh, banking system and the wrath of the Russian depositors and the fate of the European Union itself on these various schemes rather than simply printing the cash and permitting its withdrawals. Imagine an American analogy where the bank with billions in deposits but already emptied of all cash was simply shut down without the usual FDIC shell game of transferring its deposits to another bank. Would this be a deflationary action? Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Goodbye.